Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Yeah, thanks, Ben, KG, Donna. Good uh, evening. How are you guys doing? Are you guys ready for church? Are you ready to participate? Only one person. Who was it? KG, or was it Nyash? Who was, who, was it you? That's it. You guys are not excited, eh? What's, what's that? There you go. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do church tonight, right? There's, not, there's no one-man show. We all participate. Amen? When two, two or more are gathered together in his name, there God is, and there the impossible can happen. Right? So you heard the sermon or the scripture. You saw the scripture that Herman shared now. God is able to do incredible things, and so I'm uh, so excited about tonight. I know God's got something special for you, and He's got something special for us as a church community, and even if you're visiting, God's got something special for you. So um, it's amazing how the kingdom works. Um, God is a Father, and He's all-inclusive. If you look at Jesus, he He always invited the whosoever. It, it, his, his, his invitations were never exclusive. He didn't have this elect few that you, these were the only ones that could. Now, when he, when he was sharing his, his, his love and um, healing the people, um, the scripture makes it clear everywhere. It says, all the people that came to him were healed, right? And the invitations was to the whosoever, Whoever wanted rivers of, um, streams of living waters, come to me, right? All who are thirsty, come to me. So it's, it's always inclusive. God's a, a real father, and he, he's, he's designed you. He's given you the gifts and the abilities, the skills, the personality. Now, you see Gervis here, right? I don't have the cool factor, but Gervis has the cool factor, I, I can't stand here, you know, I can, you know, he's even got the, got the little angle here and, and, the, and the swag and the, you know, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's Gervis there for you. And so like he, God can use him in that way because he's gifted him and, and that's, in, in, in the same way God has given us, he's, he's made a unique place for us. And so, so I'm sharing a little bit of, wor- of a word before the sermon tonight, but there's a place for you. Um, there is a place for you in God's house. And, and I believe he's inviting you. He's saying to you, if you would just pay attention to the voice of the Father here tonight, then he will tell you. He's going he's to show you. You just need to, you need to be aware that he is speaking because he's speaking. Any amens? Any amens? Okay. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And they know me. And so, so God is speaking to you, and he will be speaking to you tonight. And I want to incline you, ask you to incline your ear to what he's saying. You know, I'm going to share some thoughts and some ideas and some testimonies and some scripture. It's not a very theological sermon tonight. It's really practical. But I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing that we can hear the voice of God? You know, you can, you can be... Um, in, a, in a place, you can actually be studying, right? Who's, who's that happened to, right? When you're studying, God speaks to you. 
Isn't that amazing? That still small voice of the Holy Spirit comes to you and He directs you into, into a specific direction. But before we, we jump into the message tonight, um, I want to remind you that the place where you are at, this space, this house, this hall, um, is a place of promise. I don't know if you've, you're aware of it, but um, some of you might have joined recently or, you know, since you've come to the evening service, um, we've always been here. And sometimes we go down to, to Harvest Hope, but we've always been um, at Memorial Hall. Um, but I want to tell you that there has been prophecies about this place, that the revival is going to start from this place, right? Even way, I mean, we've been meeting here for... I don't know, for about seven years, um, if, if not more. Um, and it's actually quite a miracle that we have church here. I mean, back then, if you told someone you're going to have church in Memorial Hall, people would be like, really? <laughs> don't believe you. Um, but it's actually a couple of miracles. And we've had incredible times in God's presence here. We've had um, lots of people come to salvation. We've had Angus Bucken um, share a message here. And, you know, we've had some really special times. We have... Had, uh, I understand you guys had a pre-meeting revival night. We've had all-night pre-meetings, several of them in this space. Um, this is a place of promise. And even before, I remember there was a guy that was in our church and long ago, many years, I think in, in uh, the 1990s, early 1990s, there was a group of people and they said they saw this picture of God coming um, and His power coming down on this hall. Um, back in those days, it was called the Jamison Hall, right? And revival breaks forth from this place and spreads out into the city. Um, so this is, I want to remind you that this is a place of promise, right? This is not just a nice meeting space. Uh, there's not, lots of places we can meet, but it's, it's more than that. There's a promise. And so, so um, together with the name, as you guys, the ones with the chocolates, uh, were uh, blessed uh, to tell us... Um, that is our vision, fathering a city towards revival. And I, wanna, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to bring it home. Um, you know, if you are in, anyone in Markwood? Raise a couple of the Markwood guys. Um, fathering Markwood to revival, right? Ask the Holy Spirit, what is your sphere of influence? What is that area that he's given you? By the way, did you know that we started this church in Markwood? Yeah, yeah, we started the church in Markwood. We used to have meetings in the dining hall. You know the dining hall in Markwood? Um, we used to put up a couple of speakers and a couple of posters. Um, and then just after breakfast, we started our services there while everyone was still around. And we started, uh, started singing and praising. Um, I remember one of our first um, uh, sort of talks was, um, is the world uh, flat? There was like a big flat earth society thing happening back then. Um, and so we shared a gospel message on that, which was, uh, was quite awesome. People got saved. And um, so lots of things has happened since. But do not despise the days of small beginnings. Amen? All right? God might give you a little something. Um, don't underestimate what he's given to you. Right? Don't underestimate um, what he's put in your hands. And many times there are people that have done things before you. 
and you're not even aware of what they did, what they did and that you are just playing a particular um, role in this whole picture. Um, most of you would know Reinhard Bonke's story, incredible story where um, he was, he was a, a pastor of a small group of people. Like um, when I say small, I mean five, six, you know, five, six people. He, he had a, a group of five or six people for several years. And um, he was just faithful with that little group of people. And then one day he just felt he's going to book the biggest venue he's, he's going to find, right? And um, he, he actually invited this um, well-known evangelist. And he said, you must come and preach. I'm going to book the biggest venue. He got the dates right, got everything organized, put out posters everywhere. And um, so, you know, it was, it was the day of this this big outreach in this big venue, and um, the evangelist phones him and says, Reinhard, um, the Lord said to me that I mustn't come to your meeting anymore. And so Reinhard was um, like sort of initially arguing with the guy, like, um, no, 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 you don't understand. We booked the hall, we planned everything. It's too late. You can't pull out now. And, you know, tried to reason with the guy, and the guy said, what can I do? The Lord said to me, um, I mustn't um, share tonight. And um, so eventually hung up the phone, and then he was like depressed, man. What's going to happen now? And he was down in the dumps. What's going to happen? All these people are going to come. And um, so he wrestled with the Lord, and as as he just connected with God's heart, God said to him, Reinhard, my word in your mouth, is just as powerful as my word in my mouth. And God said to Rana, you go and you preach my word. And it was incredible. There were a couple of meetings. They invited, there was just a small group of people the first night. But he ministered the word and he preached, he preached the word with all of his passion and then he did an invitation for the sick. He prayed for a couple of people and they got healed. Right, next night, more people came, and several, several meetings later, the whole place was full, right, and that's just when his ministry started, he started, he got tents from there, and then he did crusades, because the tents weren't big enough, um, you know, the story of Reinhard Bunker, right, he ministers to a million people, and that's just like a small crowd, right, at once, any case, so many times, and I remember what Reinhard Bunker said, he says, many times, the fruit that he sees in his ministry, literally ministering to 1.5 million people, then he says God reminds him that there were many people, many faithful men and women of God that sowed and prayed into Africa. Um, and they didn't see a massive harvest, and he's just coming and he's reaping the harvest afterwards. So don't despise the days of small beginnings. Maybe God just gives you something to do at some place. Just be faithful. And speaking of um, faithfulness, I want to launch yet the evening service, what we call the Hope Challenge. Who's heard of the Hope Challenge? A couple of people have heard of the Hope Challenge. So the Hope Challenge is this. Remember songs of the prophets. Okay, so there was an evening of song, prophetic song. We had in the Baxter uh, if you don't know about it, just ask someone uh, next to you. But that evening, um, in fact, the next morning, we had church service, and we just felt that God 
has given us this hope inside of us, Christ in us. And so we must share the hope, right? Um, and so tonight we want to launch it at the evening service. So a couple of us since then have joined a WhatsApp group, and we encourage one another um, to share the hope that is in us. So sometimes it's just like conversations with people. Um, sometimes we trust for, um, for miracles and healings and so on. So I want to just quick, give you a quick feedback. We started the 9th of May. There are seven active members of this group. And the, the idea was to once a week have a divine encounter with someone, with the Holy Spirit. Um, we're not there, quite there yet. But um, I was quite surprised, Robert, to look through the group and, and just all the testimonies of just what God has done. So I want to just give you quick feedback. So there were words of knowledge, more than four words of knowledge for specific people. Um, encounters of salvation, three people came to salvation um, in, this, in this period. Um, encounters of hope, more than three. Healings, ten healings. Right? Ten people got healed. So um, arthritis in the feet, spinal pain, neck pain, knee and ankle pain, a sore left shoulder, three headaches, um, and two cases of people getting emotionally healed. Right? That's amazing. Anyone excited about that? Okay. Praise the Lord. A lot of encounters. Often just simple, divine-inspired conversations with people. Um, Someone, someone lost a flash disk, and it was found through asking the Holy Spirit to help. Hey? How cool is that? God is into the practical stuff. And many more um, that aren't logged. We prayed for a Muslim, an atheist, backslidden Christians. Um, Christians were encouraged, an agnostic, and two police officers. No jokes. One of the guys pulled off the cops and said, can I pray for you? And they said, yes, please pray for us. And he prayed and ministered and encouraged um, the cops. So that is the Hope Challenge feedback. If any of you are keen to join the Hope Challenge, the commitment, and like I said, we're not there yet, but we're growing towards it, is um, a, just, a, just a one um, encounter with the Holy Spirit saying, um, God, I'm going to trust for hope to be imparted here once a week. I don't think that's... Um, that's so difficult. In fact, every day there are opportunities. So anyone who wants to join the Hope Challenge? Yeah. Okay, some people here. Wilbert's taking note. Go and chat to Wilbert and ask him to, to add you to the group. It's just a place where we really encourage one another to jump a little bit deeper. Right. Now the, uh, the word tonight. Okay, so Luke chapter 11 verse 27 and 28. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised a voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast, breasts which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and who keep it. So I've often thought about, I don't know if you've thought about the story of the birth of Jesus um, and the fact that he was born of a virgin, Mary, and the miracle around that. Um, and I've often thought, well, Mary um, was an incredible woman. She just said yes to the angel and yes to the Holy Spirit 
probably not completely aware of what she said yes to because I'm sure she wouldn't have understood the whole um, implication of her um, being socially rejected, obviously being um, b- uh, getting pregnant before marriage, especially in those days, was, was, was massive, right? You would socially be excluded. And so she said yes to the Holy Spirit, at least partially being aware of the implications here, right? And so Mary goes, and she's really faithful, and she stays with Jesus, her son, even unto the cross. And I think it was a really difficult life, a really difficult thing. So this woman here says, Mary is blessed, right? Because she gave birth to Jesus. Jesus turns around and he says, more blessed are you if you hear the word and you keep the word. So that is incredible. That is really incredible. You and I can be recipients of God's word, right? And if we, if we do God's word, we are blessed, according to what Jesus says there. The message tonight I've called, um, and the birds are here as well, birds of the air are jumping in. Um, so this, this, the, the message for this evening is called Glimpses of Glory. Now, I don't know about you, but I live for the moments where heaven comes down, right? Those moments in worship where you stand there and it's just you and Jesus, right? Everything else fades away. You have a real encounter with Jesus. Or you just, you're just down. It's just this week I had a difficult situation and I was uh, troubled with this, this scenario and um, I didn't know how I'm going to deal with it. And I just went to the Word of God. I opened, read the passage that I was busy reading. And that Word spoken to my life, settled the issue. It's not an issue anymore, right? Because of God's Word and the promise of His Word, I can let it go. It's not resolved. It's not finished. But it's not an issue to me anymore. God has taken it. Jesus says, bring, my yo- um, bring your heaviness to me. I'll give you a light yoke. Right? And so... Um, I live for this moment. Um, every day, Jesus says, um, when you pray, pray that your Father in heaven would give you daily bread. Right? And knowing Jesus and the ministry that Jesus was, um, you know, the word that he was sharing often, um, that bread could obviously mean natural bread, like our sustenance, food, um, but if you look at the ministry of Jesus, it's more likely spiritual bread, right? Sustenance that our spirits need. So Jesus says, pray for supernatural encounter daily, right? That, that your Father in heaven would feed you. You know, just, you know, so many times Jesus would say, I'm the bread, right? In other cases, he says, um, in the desert, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from God's mouth. So, um, I believe God wants to give us bread daily, right? Not just once in a month. You can't do it on once a month, right? You're going to starve, right? Why would, none of us would live for a month by just eating once. Let's have a big breakfast this morning, and then it's going to sustain us for the rest of the month, right? We will never do that in the natural. Why do we do it sometimes in the spiritual, okay? But God is, and that speaks about connecting with God's word. But more than just that, that special time that you have with Jesus, there are moments 
and several of, the, of them, I believe, in every day, but in your walk with God. I call it glimpses of glory, right? The Bible says, you, you see in part, one day you'll see in full. One day we're going to see the full glory of God. In this world, in this life, we see glimpses, right? Um, now, if you were to go, given if you can just put us the slide with the little graph there. If you were to take all the events of your life since you got saved up till today, and you were to log them, um, the, the dates of, of, of the moments, and all of these moments, you know, moments in, in, um, in small group, moments in worship, most, moments just connecting with your friends, and then God comes and he does something, moments where God shows you a vision, moments on missions, or all these significant moments and you plot them over time, and I've, uh, the, the other axis there says in aspects, on all aspects of your life, or in some aspects of your life. So um, God wants to meet us in all aspects of our life. He wants to come into your social lives, in your studies. He wants to be in your, um, your friendships, in your relationships, in your family life, and in your spiritual life. Not just your spiritual life, not just on Sundays and on Wednesdays, Right? All the time, he wants to be part of it. And if you map those according to that, and so you'll come up with something similar to, to, to that. So if that's, for instance, my life, um, you know, I got saved around 2003. Um, so you'll see there's a lot of dots there. When you come to Christ, there's a lot of those glimpses of glory. You're so hungry. You want to just read the word, and, you know, it's like that honeymoon phase. Right, where there's so many awesome things that happen with you and Jesus. So you'll see there's lots of dots there. And then you'll see a little bit further, there's a little bit of a break because sometimes, sometimes life hits you, right? Sometimes circumstances hit you and then suddenly you had this unstoppingly, unstoppable belief in God can do anything and everything and then life hits you. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's, it's something terrible that happened. And suddenly your, your faith takes a knock, right? And now you, you it's, it's actually not that God stops giving you glimpses of glory. It's just that you've closed off your heart, right? You've closed off your heart, so you're not so aware of it. And so, but, but, but then we recover again, right? Then God, by His grace, He helps us and He finds us. He heals our hearts. And then more and more you become open again to experience the glimpses of glory. And you'll see if there's, a, if there's a section where there's lots of these glimpses of glory in one space, in maybe one week or one, one uh, season of your life. Do you know what? There's so much more clarity in that season of your life. Suddenly things are more clear. You can, you can understand the bigger picture. You can understand God is busy. He's, he's, he's busy moving and you know where you're going. Right? You know what Jesus says? He says, I know where I'm coming from and I know where I'm going. Right? God always knows, you know, he's always got to, he, he directs you into, into some place. And so those places on the map where you can see lots of spots, lots of those dots, those are the times of clarity. And so we want to live in those times um, and we want to, you know, be aware of, the glimpses of glory. And not only do we want to be aware of them, we want to engage God in conversation with them. So many times God gives you a prophetic word 
or he gives you a scripture, he gives you something for your life. And we, we, we hear God's word, but we don't take it a bit further and say, God, okay, what does this mean, Lord? How does this look in the real world? Getting a prophetic word is not enough. You need to appropriate the word and say, this is my word, and I'm going to live it in this world. The fact that I'm receiving a word from God means that something in this world needs to change, right? Because it's from heaven, amen? Am I making sense tonight? You know what I'm talking about. God gives us sustenance. He gives us glimpses of glory. Now, I want to quickly talk about two obstacles to the glimpses of glory. Two things that sort of come in the way. And we call it two systems. The system of the world on the one side, and the other one is the system of religion. Both these were operating at the times of Jesus. The system of the world and the system of religion. And then there's the kingdom of God. Now, both the system of the world and the system of religion thrive on the fear of man. Okay? Both thrive on the fear of man. The system of the world tries to keep you captive to the ways of the world. And everything pulls you into a certain system that makes you captive to the things of this world, to materialism, to, to success, to um, worldly things, Right? And the world is really good at selling us, uh, you know, selling this system and us, you know, wants us to buy into what the world can offer. And the world can offer some good stuff, right? You know, and it's, it's alluring. It wants to pull us in. But once you are in the system, you're a slave to the system, okay? And the same with this, the, the system of religion, um, Jesus um, you know, many times confronted a specific group of people. Those were the religious people of the day. And he said to them, um, he, he rebuked them because they were part of a system of religion, a religious spirit um, that did not have life. And that, that group of people couldn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah because they were part of another system, okay? Both these systems oppose you and oppose the true you, oppose what God has put in you, right? And so we need to be aware of these two systems. Like I said, both of them thrive on the fear of man, whereas God's kingdom thrives on the fear of God. What is, what is God concerned about in my life? What is, what is, where is his heart? And so the emphasis is shifted from us unto him, all right? That's God's kingdom. The system of the world, system of religion says, what do the people think of me? So let me become something that they would accept. Let me become successful so that people and my peers and my family and, and even strangers and my boss and whoever, they would think I like that guy. And then we feel accepted. But that's that's never true fulfillment. That can never truly fulfill us. Both of the system of the world and the system of religion are empty. The kingdom of God, we find true fulfillment in God coming and saying, you are mine. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 
right? We find ourselves, we find our identity in who God says we are. The world tries to define us and put us into this system that results in us um, becoming slaves to the system. Now, two things I want to quickly address, and I'm just going to really touch on, uh, on these, the, these topics. But one of the things that we do, especially concerning um, religion, is we look at the Bible and we villainify the enemies of Jesus and the enemies of the Bible. And we just short and deify the heroes of the faith. Okay, so um, like a Moses or Abram or the, the, the apostles, Paul and Peter, we're like, they're amazing, right? And the Pharisees and the enemies of Jesus, we're like, they were terrible. You know, I'm not like that in, them at all. You know, we sort of exclude ourselves from that group of people. And both those extremes are wrong. Let's start with the first one, the heroes of the faith. Um, have you noticed, have you read the Bible and seen the imperfection of the characters of the Bible? Who's your favorite characters? Just shout out your favorite character. David. Let's start with David. Let's start with David. What did David do that was just a little bit, just a tiny little bit imperfect? He killed someone, right? That's a slight bit of imperfection, I'd say. He raped a woman, right? And then he killed her husband. So that's, that's pretty, pretty bad stuff, eh? That's, that's pretty intense. Yet we, we love David. David is this awesome guy, man after God's own heart. We all want to be like David, right? But we miss the imperfection. Let's look at another guy called Abram. Abram was pretty terrible, right? He, he started off being an idol worshiper. That was his job. He made idols, right? Then um, he, he, did, he did a couple of things right, but in between the things that he did right, he did some terrible other things. So who remembers the two scenarios with his wife? We told, he went into a foreign city, and in the city, they came to him and said, who's this woman? And he said, no, 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 she's not my wife, she's my sister. Hey, you remember that, right? And then the, the, the king's about to sleep with this woman and he gets a dream. God stops him. But Abram, in protecting himself, he's like, no, 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 she's not my wife. I, I don't know about you guys, but that's, that's pretty bad, man. That's pretty bad. Twice he does um, that. And then he does the worst of them all. God gives him a promise and he says, um, you're going to have a son. He thinks, well, I'm going to make this happen, right? He agrees to his wife and he goes and he sleeps with the servant girl, right, to make this promise happen. Pretty bad stuff, right? And Abram is called the father of the faith. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? There's some serious imperfection there, right? There's some serious mistakes. Yet, because their hearts were humble, and they chose to repent. If you look at David, the way he repented, the way he responded to God was incredible, right? He turned his heart, and God could heal him. And please don't understand me wrong. We're not living in Old Testament times. We're living in New Covenant times. So Jesus says in the Old Testament, if you, if you, um, if you murder someone or if you 
um, if you do something wrong according to the law, um, you must get stoned. In the New Testament, some people get this, we, we get this wrong. We look at the New Testament, we think, well, the Old Testament was difficult. There was the Ten Commandments. New Testament's easy, man. There's grace. You know, there's grace. We can just do it, you know, as it comes. No, Jesus says, um, in the Old Covenant, if you, if you killed someone, you were condemned. What does he say about the New Covenant? Is it easy or harder? Harder, much harder. He says, if you just think that you hate your brother, right, it is as good as committing murder. So he takes it a whole couple of steps back. He says, when it's, when it's just a thought, then you're already condemned. If you just look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's as good. So what does Jesus do? He, he lifts the bar. He raises the standard. So no, no, no. The, the new covenant is not easier than the old covenant. It's much harder. But here's the good news. Grace enables us to live a higher standard. So we get grace mixed up. Paul says it very clearly. He says, grace is not a license to sin. Right? Grace is there to enable us to live a higher standard of life. Um, so that we can live with purity um, and and in his, his ways. And so I can go on and on and on, and you can read the book of Kings, you can look at Elijah, that was a really amazing God, but a, a man of God, but he missed, missed, missed things in the last days. And then you can go on to the New Testament, and you can think, well, you know, there were, people were perfect. No, there were a lot of imperfect people. If you look at Peter and even Philip and the apostles, apostles were in grave danger, um, remember there was a big discussion in the book of Acts. Should we allow the Gentiles? Now, put up your hand if you're a Gentile. That's, that's all of us, okay? We, we're all Gentiles. I don't know if you realized it, but you're not a Jew. Is there any Jews in the house tonight? Any Messianic Jews? Okay. Um, we're all Gentiles. Now, the, I don't know if you realize how intense it is, but there's this intense discussion and it's all centered around, should the, the Gentiles be brought into the faith? Now, that is a pretty intense discussion. And all of the guys that walked with Jesus said no. Right? There was this political debate. And then Paul comes, the outsider, and he says, no, 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 no. This is what happened. When we prayed for the Holy Spirit, it fell upon the believers, and they were Gentiles. And so... It was in a knife edge, right? They almost seriously messed it up. And these are the apostles. Those guys that we're like, wow, they're amazing. They almost completely missed it, right? But God in his grace, he uses people with mistakes. And here's the bottom line. God has never put us on a journey of perfection. Did you know that? God doesn't put us on a journey where we are perfect and we're perfect in our, in our careers and we're perfect in our studies and we're perfect in our family lives and we're perfect in every. That's not a journey that God has put us on. God has put us on a journey where we behold His perfection. He is perfect and His perfection becomes our perfection. 
right? As we look not to ourselves and my shortcomings and my inabilities and my sin, but I look to him and realize he's perfect. That is the journey that God has put us on, to, to see glimpses of glory, to see glimpses of who he, who he is. Mark chapter 3, verse 4 and to 6. It's not on the screen. But I want to just touch on something. This is now concerning the system of the world. But you know how the world tries to box Jesus. The world tries to put Jesus in a little, little box and say, he's, he's over there, right? Who's heard of the saying that Jesus is a good moral teacher, right? He's just a good moral teacher. He came into this world and he, he taught the world some, some stuff, right? He's just a good moral teacher. Islam would say, they're also trying to box Jesus. He's, he's just the prophet, right? He's, no, he's nothing more than that, right? But, but the good moral teacher argument, obviously it's ridiculous because Jesus, you know, he said, I'm God. He didn't leave the option open for him just to be like a good guy. Jesus is not a good guy. He's God. C.S. Lewis says he's either, he's either a lunatic, a madman, because a lunatic would go around saying that he is God if he's not, if he's just a good guy, um, or he is really God. He didn't leave any space in between, right? He didn't, there's, no, there's no in between. The world wants to say there's a little in between. One of, one of the things that I want to quickly show you, Another phrase, have you heard of this one? Uh, gentle and mild Jesus. Have you heard of that? Gentle Jesus, you heard of that? Okay. I don't see that in the Bible. Nash, do you see that? Jesus was a passionate guy, right? And um, just as a point of illustration, have you, did you realize Jesus was angry? And I mean, when I'm saying angry, I mean angry. Not just like a little bit of anger. A couple of times he would get incredibly upset. So much so that I, I'm like, you know, just reading the scriptures, I'm, you cringe, right? It's intense. It's intense. Let me remind you of some of them. You blind guides, speaking to the Pharisees. Woe to you teachers of the law. You hypocrites. Now that's pretty intense. He's, he's saying to a group of people, which were the authorities of the day. They, they're like the, the, the top, top dogs. And Jesus looks at him before, in front of all the people. He's like shaming them. You hypocrites, right? You say one thing, you do another thing. Then he says to them, you blind guides. Then he says, you brood of vipers, exclamation mark. Jesus was shouting, you brood of vipers. That means like you bunch of snakes, I don't know about you, but that's pretty intense, right? And then he goes on, he says, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Mark chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. Is it lawful to do good or to harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to them, stretch out your hand. So Jesus, the scripture says, with anger. We know, we know the parable, uh, not the parable, the, the, the scene where Jesus comes into the temple and he's upset about all the business that is happening and he takes the tables. He doesn't walk in there with like, you know, I'm cross, you know, and walks through the place. No, he takes the tables. I mean, I wish I could do like illustration here. It's, 
dramatic, you know. But um, Jesus flipped the tables. I mean, that is pretty intense anger, right? And, and, you know, we like gentle Jesus. You know, Jesus will never, you know, do that. He will never do that, right? Now, Jesus flipped the chairs around, right? And he was seriously upset. But even his anger was an expression of his love, right? Did you see it with that um, scene on the Sabbath where he wanted to heal the woman? The Pharisees tried to stop him. And then it says he was angry because how ridiculous is that? The system of religion wants to stop a glimpse of glory. You know, you, you can, you're about to see, forget about the woman just for one second. You're about to see a miracle that has never happened. Stretch out your hand and be healed, right? But because of your system and you're saying it's for God, you're doing this for God, but it's not, Right? Because of your system, you want to hinder this woman from being healed. You're going to miss a moment to see God's glory, right? And then think of the woman's side. She could be healed, but because of rules and regulations, she can't be healed because of this system of religion. You see, the system is it's, it's so, it's so deceptive that it hinders even the work of Jesus. So those are two obstacles, and I can spend a lot of time around them. But I want to just end off in, in just praying for us. And um, you see, God gives us these glimpses, back to these glimpses. Those are the two obstacles. And we're going to pray that God would, God would remove those obstacles. And if we're really honest, and I think that's why I brought up these two illustrations, these two are a little bit in work in all of our lives, right? If they were not, we would see the things that Jesus does, Right? The hope challenge wouldn't be a hope challenge because we would see people getting healed as soon as we walk down that steps, as we touch people. Right? We're not there yet. We, we, we're getting there. Okay? But the system of the world and the system of religion, is, it works in us a little bit. And we need to say, God, come and deliver us. You see, God's heart is freedom. He wants us to be free from these systems that try and keep us captive. He wants us to be um, in his kingdom and operating in his kingdom. And so um, we're going to pray that God would remind you of the glimpses. He would show you the things that he's been showing to you. Like I said earlier, Jesus says, my father is always working. He's always busy doing things in your life. It's just you're not always aware of it. Right? Some of you are going to begin to become aware of, of what Jesus is doing for the first time. You're going to begin to see in the hand of God. Um, the Hope Challenge guys, and any of you that have gone just to minister to people, um, strangers that you don't know, it's always amazing if you say, God, take me to the people that, that you want me to minister today. Um, it's always amazing. You get to them, and they'll always say something like this. Not always, but, but, but often. They'll say completely you know, no connection to God, no church history or anything. They'd say, it's amazing. I just had a dream this week that, that someone would talk to me. Um, or um, it's amazing. You know, I just thought of God this week. Can you believe it? I don't even believe in God, right? But I thought of him. And that God would have prepared the people. Well, but isn't that the case? You talk to them and they, God has already done 10 steps. He's just waiting for you to jump in and connect with what he's doing. 
And in the same way, God is always busy working in your life. Most often, and here's the key, most often you're not going to be aware of it if you're just focusing on yourself. You need to look up at the Lamb, to look up at God. Sometimes it's necessary for you to focus on others, right? So that you begin, can begin to see what God is doing. In fact, if you look at the book of Job, Job went through lots of suffering, right? And the reason why he suffered was because of fear in his heart. But you, do you know where God started healing Job? I mean, that book is painful, man. Who's read Job recently? It's painful. It's, it's hectic, man. It's chapter after chapter after suffering and suffering and all these f- philosophizing going on. It's intense. And in the end, you know what the breakthrough was for Job? He started praying for his friends. When he started praying for his friends, he shifted off the focus of him. And just go and read it. It's just about me and my and what did I do wrong. And he's a righteous man. He's a good guy, the scriptures tell us. But he was, his focus was in the wrong place. And then it's a couple of chapters. I think it's three chapters. Then God tries to really get the point through. And Job's slow to learn. But God starts with these series of questions. Job, who formed the mountains? Who made the seas? Who did? And God asks him all these questions so that Job would just be able to shift off from being introspective, looking at just himself and being in his own little world. And God lifted up his eyes to look to the king, the king of kings. Right? Then he could pray for his friends and God healed him. God restored him, gave him back uh, more than he ever, ever had. And so God wants to give us these glimpses of glory. He wants us to look where he's busy with and onto other things, off of ourselves, and the me, the I, but unto him. And so I'm going to read this scripture, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5, in closing, and then we're going to pray. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Right, and so God gives us little glimpses. But in the same way that there were a couple of dots, remember the graph of where God, you know, where there was a a whole bunch of things that God did. It it brought more clarity. It brought more of his glory into your life. You were were more able to see what direction God is taking you in. In the same way, in the corporate sense, when we get together and we all bring our glimpses of glory and we share with one another, then we begin to see a bigger picture. God begins to protect us. There's a promise of he will be the wall of fire all around us and the glory in our midst. There's a, there's a big circle then that brings to, begins to encompass all these little glimpses of glory. And we, see, we begin to see his glory. So I want to pray for us that we would connect with what he's doing. Are you ready? Okay. Let's come with an expectation. Won't you stand with me this evening? Father, I thank you for all of your goodness. God, I thank you that you are a good God. Father, I thank you that you love us dearly. God, I pray that you would come and ignite our hearts again here tonight. 
God, we pray that you would activate us in us and bring to remembrance those things that you prayed of us, Lord, those things that you ministered to us, the words that you've given us, God, and the promises. And help us to be free, God. Help us to live in freedom, God, released from the system of the world and released from dead religion. God just wants life for you. Jesus says, I came to bring life and life in abundance. And some of us, our only reference is tasting religion, not of life. And so I want to pray for you if that's you tonight. And maybe it's just a little bit. Maybe you've, 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 you've been experiencing God, but you sort of default back to this, this state of religion. I want to pray for you if, if that's you. While every eye is closed, Maybe you've never experienced a glimpse of glory. Then I want, while every eye is closed, everyone just remains in an attitude of worship. I want to invite you to, to say yes. I want to invite you to, to embrace the imperfection. It's a little bit scary amazing thing is God calls us as imperfect people to a perfect God and then he makes you perfect the lie of religion says first become perfect and then you can have God that's a life from the pit of hell you come to Jesus with all that you are with your mistakes with your sin with everything the lie of the enemy and I still have to fight this in myself Whenever I've done something wrong, whenever I've missed the mark, I always want to run away from God and I have to force myself, tell myself I'm not going to run away, but I'm going to run to God. The best thing that you can do is if you've sinned, if you've wrong, done something wrong, is to immediately run to God. Say, God, here's my imperfection. I bring my imperfection. Religion causes us to hide away. Life with Jesus causes us to open up. Say, Jesus, you are the perfect spotless lamb. Come and perfect me. Is there anyone like that here tonight? Just put up your hand and say, Jesus, I come to you. You are the perfect one. You are the spotless lamb. Thank you for those hands. Is there anyone else? Just say, Jesus, tonight I'm coming. Just as I am. Jesus says, I, I receive you. I receive you. It's like the prodigal son. When the father saw the son, he didn't care how dirty the son was. He didn't care how mixed up and confused the son was. He didn't care that the son squandered his inheritance. All he did was he ran towards the son. And he embraced him. And Jesus tells that story so that we can understand who God the Father is. He's a Father that is comfortable with our mess. He's a Father that can embrace the mess. He doesn't want the mess. He wants us to live right and righteously, but he's, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't reject you. He embraces you. So I want to ask you that you'd be very bold. If you haven't put up your hand and you know you need to, 
or you put up your hand, to be very bold, to quickly come out from where you are, to meet me right here in front. We're going to pray for you. And we're going to just 